Welcome to the Fuck Shit Up Podcast. I'm Barrett Paul. Evelyn from Perspective. And we want to know. Are you ready to fuck shit up with us? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Hi, Barrett. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. My heart is racing. Yeah. Uh, uh, today is going to be a heavy one. And... Um, we decided to do this episode very last minute based off of what's going on currently with Britney Spears. And I just want to give a preface that there's going to be some discussions around triggering things, um, stuff I've experienced myself within the entertainment industry and Hollywood specifically. And it comes with a lot of emotion and, you know, um, reliving some traumatic things that are not fun. So I, I want to thank everyone for just being kind and open-minded as we talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I did pop on, you know, I did, I did, I did, I did see um, your live earlier today that you did on TikTok. And I thought that was extremely compelling um, because <clears throat> um, I know it has been, I know all of this has been really triggering for you. Um, and all of this has been really triggering for me as a woman. Um, and, uh, to, to see such a, um, to see such a blatant form of exploitation and abuse, um, to have taken place, um, in such a famous person's life, uh, such a famous woman's life. Um, I think it has been really difficult to watch and the, and the, and the details of those exploitations and abuses are, very familiar details for a lot of women, um, what a lot of women can relate to and a lot of what a lot of women, um, you know, have experienced or have, you know, secondhand witnessed. Um, mm. And so I think this must bring up a lot for women. Um, and I think you said it perfectly during your life, which is that all women should be angry over this. Yeah, you know, I think, I, I, I just keep going over this in my own mind that if Britney Spears, a white, rich, cisgender, straight woman who is probably one of the most famous people, if not the most famous person in the world. I mean, everyone knows who Britney Spears is. Mm. Can't have autonomy to her body, mm. her relationships, her work. Then no one within the patriarchal structure is going to be able to, unless you are a white, straight, cisgender, very, very rich man. And... I just keep thinking over and over in my brain that like every woman is Britney Spears right now. And I know that's going to sound confusing to some people because obviously everyone is not Britney Spears, but it's just, this is the epitome of abuse within the systems that are working as they are supposed to in the current system and structures of patriarchy that we live in. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, To be honest, I think what has been bothering me, um, I don't know if you know you relate to this, but I am not, you know, I am nowhere near, you know, famous. I'm nowhere, I'm I'm nobody. I'm I am, you know, I'm just a person, I'm just a woman out here, you know, with her theories and with her, you know, with with things to say. So I don't know what it's like to be that famous and you know that important, but I think um, once I got on the social media apps and I started acquiring my own following, I've noticed that people really love to scrutinize me. People really love to criticize me and people just see me as a screen and people do not think that I am a person with stories and you know, they make all types of assumptions about me and they think that I that I have everything because I went to Harvard twice. Like I went to four Ivy Leagues. Like it's, there's always gonna be something and always gonna be a reason why I deserve your hate. And you know, Britney Spears must have experienced that on a level and on a scale that I cannot imagine because her fame was always there in the, on a scale unimaginable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this brings up just like a lot personally. 
um, since my life has become like a little bit more public than the average person's. Again, I don't consider myself famous, but I've been well known within certain, you know, structures and groups and the queer community for a very long time. I'm 33. You know, my career started publicly at like 19. And the second that I was put into more of a public sphere, um, everyone who saw a photo or a post or something that, you know, was meant for the public, um, all of a sudden felt like they had the right to have an opinion on my, my being. And it comes with a lot of heavy weight because no one prepares you for this. And a lot of people go into this thinking they're going to help, you know, their family. This is a conversation I've had with many ex-models. And, you know, we go into this looking for, in some ways, a family, for love, for acceptance. Um, and you end up walking away, if you're lucky enough to walk away, before it destroys you completely, with a lot of mental abuse, and just a lot of body image issues, um, a lot of space taken up around all the things that you are not right and good. And I just think a lot of people forget that everyone's human. And I think that that's what we're watching with Britney Spears. And I think that's what you're saying at the end, you know, at, at the main point of this is as you grow on TikTok and more people, you know, see who you are and, and, watch you say what you want to say and have your opinions and at the core of everything i do and the core of everything you do again it's what we say over and over it's like healing we want to help people heal and so to have people use everything against you from how you look to to how you act it's just think. really hard how you think yeah it's incredibly difficult and you know, I don't realize how much this stuff still sits with me. I've worked through a lot of it, but talking about it definitely brings up a lot of hard feelings. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not something everyone can relate to as well. So finding the right way to explain this to someone who does not experience this is difficult because a lot of people want to think, well, you know, Britney Spears is a rich, famous celebrity, like boohoo for her, where it's like, we're hearing that she's had to keep an IUD inside of herself. She, she wants to have more children and has not been given the autonomy to decide for her own body what to do. And I keep saying, as I talk about this, how this is so heavily linked to so many things outside of this specific story, but the political structure, the governmental structure, the structures that exist, again, through all of patriarchy that don't give people equality and and as we talk about you know women not like a woman a famous woman not being able to have bodily body autonomy i think about roe v wade being up for debate i think about the women at the you know border ice prisons being forced to have hysterectomies and it's it, it's just so to me clearly linked you know yeah and it was I think, I mean, when I, you know, when I heard her, you know, testimony and when I, you know, just, you know, sort of, you know, you know, started reading about, you know, what has been taking place. Um, my first thought, you know, was, you know, like all the, all the videos that people used to make about her and on her, like on her body and on her lifestyle choices and on what she's doing and how she is acting and what she said, like it's in all this time she was being abused. And I like, and that's why I'm so, you know, anytime somebody speaks about you know, Billy, what's her name? Billy, Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know a lot of celebrities in the States. It's okay. Um, it's okay. You know, you know, I, I, whenever I see a video of, uh, you know, whenever I see videos of people commenting on how she is quote unquote half naked in front of a magazine and she is not changed and people are disappointed in her. It's like, just leave her alone. Like leave her alone. And it's, it's, you know, people love to comment on female public figures and they, they love scrutinizing female celebrities. And I just think that, you know, all this time, you know, having had her, having had her freedom, freedom taken away 
Britney Spears, you know, like she, yeah, like she, she acted out like she was, you know, she was she dating. She was desperate. Like she, she yeah. Was desperate. And, and, you know, what did people do? People commented on her, you know, people commented on, you know, those actions and said she was quote unquote crazy. Right. Yeah. And she, like, yeah. it, it, like, it just, I just think about like how little room she must have had, you know, to, to be a person and to exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is coming, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. And, and this is coming from, Again, Britney Spears has been in, in, in entertainment since she was old enough to basically move. I think a lot of people forget she was in Mickey Mouse Club. Before she was in Mickey Mouse Club, she did Star Search. And I mean, I grew up with Britney Spears. I'm, you know, like everyone around our age group, everyone again knows who Britney Spears is. But I remember, you know, my first Britney Spears CD and I thought she was so cool and pretty and, you know, throughout the years she's had her ups and her downs and, and general public has had no problem shaming her making mm. fun of her and it's it's like you said it's female celebrities in general that you know we don't want them to grow up but then tell them to grow up on their little kids and then once they do we have an issue with it you know ariana grande went through it i mean they all go through it and then i just think about all the specifically female celebrities because it does happen to men as well or, or male celebrities but the women right like Lindsay Lohan, oh, Hayden yeah. Panettiere, Brooke oh, yeah. Shields was 11 years old when they had her like topless doing like sexy things and I don't think our culture talks about fame enough except to make it something glamorous mm. where all of these people want it and it breaks my heart especially as i talk to my friends that are teachers and work with you know younger children and you ask them what do they want to be when they grow up and like all of them say they want to be youtubers and that's kind of their blanket statement for being like an influencer in some way and the sad truth of it is majority of people like 99 percent of people that go into social media will not make a full-time living off of it i mean I don't make a full-time living off of social media. And I'm one of the ones that's like deemed successful over the past 10 years in it. And it's been great. It's, it's given opportunity, but it's come with a lot of cost as well, especially because before that, before social media even was a thing, I was a traditional model and in the entertainment industry in Hollywood, slowly becoming part of that machine. And I mentioned this loosely and I'm not going to go too deep into it yet, but I've had to reckon with things, you know, years later to understand what was happening to me when I didn't, you know, realize what it was then. Like it took 11 years to come forward about my sexual assault. And mm -hmm. I will always talk about this because it's what she says. It's what Britney Spears says. And like, it gets me emotional. Just thinking about it. like, I'm afraid people aren't going to believe me. Like, and I think that's so many survivors thought is like, I'm afraid because of what we've been trained to think through society, patriarchy, the male gaze, like people are not going to believe us when we tell them how we are hurt. And this doesn't have to just be SA, sexual assault. I have like TikTok brain still where I'm like, I can't say the words, I can say the words. And I, I know that the more I speak about this, the more white men will see another white man and maybe internalize it a little bit more because we learn Unfortunately, statistically speaking, most through people that look like us, if we aren't open to doing the work. So if someone does look like us and then maybe it resonates um, or, or registers more. And, you know, I'm still processing things that happened to me in the industry that I didn't even realize were a thing up until this past January. And this is like years after being out of it, years of like taking a stand. I've been publicly speaking against the industry since 2015 well before a lot of people were doing this. And I was warned by my representation at the time that this was dangerous and that I was mm. going to probably lose a lot of opportunities and jobs. I just couldn't fathom perpetuating everything I went through to a bunch of other people, especially younger people, knowing that they were looking at me and my photos and wanting to shoot with photographers that had sexually assaulted me but I had to act like it was great and okay. And it was just this experience that happened to me and not that big of a deal. Um, so hearing her start really all of it being like, I tried to fake it till I make it. Like she's so coherent throughout the entire thing, but we've been told that she isn't. And 
my mind is kind of all over the place with this just because it is, it's so raw and it brings up a lot of stuff personally, but I also just, you know, I had my quote unquote quarter life crisis at 24. I like shaved my head, quit Hollywood, left LA, broke up with my then first boyfriend and all my friends joked. It was like my Britney Spears moment. Mm. And it was, it was like my moment of being like not okay because of everything I had been going through. And I was just trying to get like away from everything that had like brought all that on me. I mean, even getting rid of my hair, which is so commonly talked about still on TikTok. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, that was the first time I'd ever shaved my head because I just wanted to be something different than what I had been for so long to so many people. It's, it's just, I feel very deeply for humanity in general, but I think this situation just brings up a lot personally. What is something that, you know, in listening to the tapes, in hearing her testimony, in, in thinking about the way that we have made fun of her as a culture, makes you as this radical feminist, as this intersectional radical feminist, be like, what the fuck, everyone? What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, and I think, I mean, I would, you know, before I answer that, I would really encourage, I mean, it's, it, that is sort of tied to how I would answer that question because I would encourage everyone who's listening in to see Barrett's humanity. Um, and that Barrett has a story and like Barrett has gone through things that you have no idea about. And so not to treat him gently and not to treat him with kindness is inhumane, right? And I say this in the light of all the things that you went through during the Pride Month, um, which I know was extremely painful and exhausting for you. Um, I was there, right there with you throughout. And I remember thinking like, he's not getting any break. It was day after day. It was the whole, the, the entire, I remember this entire week, as soon as the Pride Month started, the, the, the barrage of hate and the scrutiny and the criticisms that he received, um, I just have never seen that, that, that amount of hate, like so up close and just, just pouring in um, for somebody who, who I know is nothing but kind and gentle. Um, and so, you know, I really first want to encourage everyone to use this opportunity um, to hear, to really hear Barrett um, and to really find your common humanity with him, um, even if you disagree with him on certain things. And I think that's, that's you know, that's what's, you know, what's important and what matters. Um, so I want to first acknowledge that and I want to fully honor everything you said and your humanity in this moment. Um, and I think, you know, as an intersectional radical feminist, um, that's, you know, anytime I see forms of dehumanization, which I see all the time, is heartbreaking. Um, I think we are programmed to dehumanize people and in this era of technology and online and social media and mass media, we, we dehumanize people just 24 seven because you, we just see the screen and there happens to be a person there and we don't, we don't care to empathize. Like we don't, we don't think twice about what they must be going through and what, you know, if I scrutinize this person, how is this going to land on that person? Um, and if we criticize this person, how, how, might, how might that impact this person? Um, and I think, you know, the call out culture that we have right now is adding to that, um, adding to our inability to empathize and humanize other people we see on screen um, because we're so busy. I think we're obsessed with trying to find people who we want to call out. Mm. Um, and, you mm. know, it, and that's, that's driving us to even more dehumanize and even more demonize. Um, and I think that's the reason why it's so important that we change the culture from call out to call in. Um, so anytime we make 
a video about somebody having having participated in a culture that is harmful um i think you know we need to we need to take the lead in um in in making sure that this is calling in nobody you know please do not attack this person this person you know should not be hated you know like i think and i think you've done a really good job of that um throughout your tiktok um and um uh and of course like this doesn't go for you know this doesn't go for you know blatant misogynists who are who are who are advocating for rape and you know sexual assault predators um, predators right um but you know for you know for others um uh so another thing i want to say is I know quite a lot of, you know, social media activists and influencers at this point and all of them had said to me that they don't feel like they have the freedom to speak. They don't feel like they have the freedom to be themselves and to just exist on the internet. Um because any anything we say, we are opening our ourselves up to 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 criticisms and scrutiny. um and i saw i've been seeing so many influencers and activists their voice was so strong to begin with and then now as time goes by they are holding back from what they actually want to say and what they actually think just to just to escape hate and mm. criticisms and scrutiny and i just think that goes against what i want to do which is i want to foster i want to foster a you know a, you know i mean why would why do you want to take away their freedom to you know to talk and to 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 say out loud what they think because isn't that isn't you know aren't their thoughts and opinions aren't they the reason you started supporting them and you started following them so why why would you want to take that why would you want to take that from them now um and you know i think as an intersectional radical feminist i am committed to people's freedom um and liberation and i think you know too many public figures feel like they don't have that um and i think that's concerning it's encouraged to stay quiet you know when i yeah. was again a traditional model and when i was just starting my acting career which i stepped away from very quickly because i did not like the expectations that were put on me you know sexually socially like all these things that came with that i was told don't have an opinion basically be white and hot and useless and and don't think too much publicly because you want to be as digestible to mainstream middle america as possible and having a stance on racism makes you apparently um not digestible to a group of people and my thought always was well then i don't want to be <laughs> digestible to that group of people and i say this when i talk to people privately and i don't know if i've really said it publicly but i'm very grateful that i did start all of this before social media because i was forced to reckon with my voice and self confidence while i was a traditional model and understand that confidence has to come from yourself your your approval your validation has to come from you first and foremost because if it's coming from your audience you're going to always be trying to people please and the people who are always people pleasing aren't pleasing themselves and i've been guilty of that in the past and that's why being so far into this you know social media world for so long i find myself not meeting very many people who think the way that i do and that have the same kind of experience and that's why when i met you it was super exciting because i was like oh man like here's this woman who thinks so similar to me but makes me think and and learn and is critical she has a large following i don't feel like i'm being used because that's something else you know you meet people and 
it's hard to trust. Do they want to know me or do they want to know social media Barrett? Do they want to be on my social media to hope that they can grow and, and get something out of you? And for anyone who, you know, heard Evelyn say, you know, the part about being on social media and gaining a, a following and, and not, you know, having your freedom. If your thought is, well, that's what you signed up for. You're a part of the problem. Right. You know, I think a lot of people are like, well, that's, you have to know that going in where it's like, you don't, no, no one prepares you for this. Right. You know? No right. one prepares you for this. No, and, no. Oh, that's so dangerous. Right. And that's been something that I struggle in explaining to people for a long time in this career is that the whole point of this. Hang on, just a second, sorry. And just to add to the idea that, you know, you've signed up for this is that no one really prepares you for what happens when you gain an audience that is somewhat large. Um, again, I don't think of myself in any capacity as famous, but then I, you know, have to think about numbers when talking to brands or other experiences. And I'm like over a million people in some capacity follow me across all my social media platforms. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of opinions. And a lot of people forget that they're all sending you messages individually, but you're receiving them collectively from a group. So as you talked about in the beginning of, you know, the beginning of Pride for me, I was receiving a lot of hate from a lot of different arenas. And it wasn't just, you know, white supremacists or homophobes. It was also coming from the queer community of but, people yeah. that I, that yeah. I call upon to do better that have no problem being racist and segregated within our, our, you know, quote unquote community. And it just goes back to what I've said before, where I think a lot of people think that if you're doing well, they won't be able to have what you have. And they project that insecurity and that fear onto you without thinking, hey, maybe I can work with Barrett or Evelyn. Maybe we can all grow together. Maybe it's not a I lose because you're quote unquote winning or I win and you lose. Maybe we can all win together. And it's so frustrating to have the conversation publicly and still have people just be focused on one little thing that they didn't like about you from five years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday, because it didn't fit their wants and needs of who you're supposed to be to them. And that's the thing that's so dangerous is we have all been programmed to think that everyone else is supposed to fulfill our wants and needs and fantasies in these public arenas where realistically, no one's going to fulfill all those things exactly how every single person wants them to. And I think we need to have a bigger conversation about how we are all being primed for this continually with social media, because now it kind of goes to that Andy Warhol quote of everyone in the future is going to have their 15 minutes of fame. And now as we watch all of these men and boys use women as their props to their quote unquote fame on something like TikTok, it is so dangerous because I'm now seeing people literally just phones on, walk up to people, throw in their face and then start doing things where I'm like, this is being considered normal to a group of people and it's not normal and it's not okay. And if this is the beginning, we're not at the beginning. Again, this all has been going on since really the beginning of the radio and it's going to continue to go on well past whatever this is right now, because there will be something else. And I think it's going to be as we take on like these avatar VR things and live in a digital space. Um, it makes me nervous. So I think you said, you know, I think all of what you said points to the fact that we have a really skewed understanding of fame. Um, the first thing I want to address is, you know, whenever people say, oh, like, you, but you signed up for this, if nobody signs up for abuse. You know, exactly. if abuse happens, yes. abuse happens. No one deserves it. No one did anything to deserve it. That's the first point I want to make. Fame is not a reason for abuse. It's not an excuse for abuse. So 
you know, you know, thinking that, oh, because she makes a lot of money, quote unquote, or, you know, because she is famous, quote unquote, she can handle this. It's like, you're, you're telling her to offset, you know, her, you know, her, you know, that, yes, that's nobody, no, that's no one's job to balance the abuse with, you know, what the material, you know, and the, and, and the fame and the wealth and that, that is, that is no one's job. Right. And that, so that's the first misconception that I think people have about fame is that, you know, you are, you are, you are, you know, fame comes with, fame inevitably comes with scrutiny and forms of abuse and exploitation that a person must endure. And that's human rights abuse. So yes. I'm not, I'm not for this, you know, like, oh, you're rich or, oh, you're rich. Oh, you're famous. Just take it. That exactly. is, that is abuse. Like that, yes. we are, we are, we're trying to live in a world, or at least I am, and I know you are, we are trying to lead a world in which no abuse takes place. So yes. that, that, that's the first thing. And then the second thing you said, Wait, be which, sorry, before you go any further, I really want to just point out that's victim blaming. That's putting the blame of what is happening on the person that is experiencing, experiencing it, not the systems and people that are controlling it and doing it. And that's a big other conversation. But Evelyn, part two, please. <laughs> but I think the second thing is, you know, you talked about how people are obsessed with fame and they want to, I mean, I, you know, I know that. Because I was recently, you know, I was recently exploited by somebody who was obsessed with fame. And I think what's dangerous about people understanding fame as an end rather than a means to an end is that mm. people will do anything mm. to achieve yes. that end. And, for, yes. and I think that's the difference between, you know, people who are obsessed with fame and you and I, like, you know, people like us. And, and I know, I know you. I know you pretty well now and I know myself and if you know the reason why I got on social media is because I want you know I, the reason why I want my voice amplified is because I believe in my message and I want my messages to get across to young girls who who didn't who don't see hope and who don't know that it can be done right and I know you have a similar end you have a similar goal and fame is just a means I, like we, none of us are, none of us are, you know, none of us are denying the fact that fame is necessary and fame is good in this because we, you know, the more our voice is amplified, the more, the, the more likely that, you know, we will be able to reach wider audience with the messages that we want to send across. Yes. But this is, that is not fame in and of itself is not an end. And so when you look at fame as an end, you will do anything. You will do, you will do abusive stuff. You will do disrespectful things. You will exploit people. You will take advantage of people just to get there. And that's where, so that's where the problem comes in. And so I think this all points to our very skewed understanding of fame and how yes. we have conditioned to believe, you know, what we have conditioned to believe about fame and how, how it's so wrong. And we haven't had yeah. a, a, an honest and transparent conversation about what fame is supposed to look like and what it does to people and yes. what it actually is. Absolutely. For, for me, the way I always think about this is, and when I really got a small taste of it, because again, I, it's been a very, very small taste of being like recognized at an airport, or again, it happens more when I travel. It's, it's confusing. It's weird when someone tells you about yourself because they've seen it on social media because you shared it at one point and you're like, like mm. well, I didn't even think about that. That's wild. And the way I always think about it is, Fame is a scary byproduct of what comes with what I want to achieve in life. Being well-known is, I guess, a better idea of what that term would be for me because I don't like the idea of being famous or fame because I think of things like the Kardashians or people that have very much the, the intention was to become famous really for no reason and except, you know, being famous. And that's what is now pushed in our culture and society is like this thing that should be desired and chased after and why I continually get so frustrated with celebrity or influencers that don't speak up. I'm like, so you're just, just 
willing to just be another cog in the machine and not use your platform because that's what it is to me it's a platform that we're all given if if you're given it right because it's it's given to us like it's hard work but without the audience there's no platform what's the point in having that platform if you're not using it for a social responsibility to help the world be a better place and it's, it, it, just, it just scares me to think about how many young people just want to be famous or are calling themselves models and actors and all of these things, which is great. I'm not telling anyone to stop doing what they love to do, but think about what it is that you really want from all of this. Because if you get everything that you want in terms of being famous, sure, you'll have money, but you'll lose all your privacy you will not be able to walk down the street or go into a grocery store or live a normal life. And that takes a toll on anyone's mental health. And that's why almost every single child celebrity has had some sort of mental health issue. Yeah. I mean, also like with the invasion of privacy, I mean, it's just people evaluating you, like people judging you all the time and people feeling like they can comment on how you should live your life. And, you know, you know, with the, you know, people don't just invade your privacy because they want to see, they want to comment on it. That's why people invade your privacy. They want to judge you for it. That's why they do it. Right. So for children, it's like, I mean, for adults, it's, it's way too much. And for children, for their world to entirely be shaped by other people's judgments and evaluations of them, it's incredibly, it's, that's incredibly cruel. I mean, they're programmed and manipulated and trained into literally just being some sort of pet for everyone else. Right. Like how many times do you think Britney Spears just heard Britney smile, smile for the camera, Britney, just smile, Britney, just, just do this, just do this, just do this. Never like take a minute for yourself, step away from it and even ask, do I want to do this anymore? I mean, the way she said, she just wants to take two or three years off. Like any human that has been doing what she's been doing in a glass bubble, right? She's literally in a glass bubble. We are all watching and seeing these things happen and she's stuck and can't get out. And that bubble feels like it should be able to be popped, but it's just not. I... I also want to go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that, you know, if you are famous and if you're rich, you know, you have to, you know, you, you have to take it and you have to, you know, you have to live with it. And I want to, I want to say something in response to that. Like, I feel like we are trying to make a progress, um, towards a world that is loving and that's kind and that is that can hold everyone's humanity just the same that's equality right yes. like realizing that if everyone is an equal human being worthy of equal respect equal yes. amount of respect yes can there be a space for you know people listening in for you know in your heart i'm not saying that you have you know you are suffering any less or any more Given how you are in pain, can there be space in your heart to hold another person who is also in pain and honor that person's pain just the same? We, I think each of us has to make room in our heart to hold everyone's pain and honor that and not diminish it, not silence it, not invalidate it with anything with, oh, but you are this, but you are that. Because if we allow ourselves to do it, we're allowing other people to do it to us and to to do it to our pain. And that's cruel, right? So why are we so willing to do that to other people? Right? Like, so again, this is all me as an intersectional radical feminist that I really want everyone's pain to be recognized with no shame and no efforts of of you know diminishing it silencing it invalidating it i think there should be and can be a community 
in the pain that each of us holds and each of us has experienced. I think pain is a universal language. And I think mm. if people speak about it mm. more, more with each other, mm. I think we will get to a better understanding of each other's humanity and we will stop dehumanizing each other and can, and can look forward to a, you know, you, we can look forward to a, a future where, you know, where we, we can, we can coexist harmoniously. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I'm listening to you talk, you know, this hits so many parts of what this podcast is all about, you know, fuck shit up and shit being societal norms. This is very much societal norms. Individualism, mm -hmm. right? Like being, being expected to go through all of this on your own and, and not communicating your pain to other people because we've been told that that's not what the world wants to see because that keeps all of us hurt. And if we all start talking about a hurt, we all see how we are more alike than we are different. And the pain may not be the same, but we all have something that we are struggling with. And we all have something that we need help working through because you can't go through all of this on your own. You can do a fairly okay job but you are far more likely to be truly healed from that deep hurt, which everyone has, if you are able to talk about it and share it and own it. I think more than anything, that's like us owning it rather than it owning us. And then you're able to help other people do that as well. And that's why my thing is all about radical self-love within being an intersectional radical feminist. Mm. You know if it's not coming from your own place of healing, how are you ever going to help the world heal then? You won't love the world enough because you don't love yourself enough. Right. And that's what I think patriarchy thrives on. Right. And I just think that, you know, we can't, I mean, I really think each of us has power to change a lot of things. Yes. And I think how we treat each other, you know, how we show up for each other interpersonally, I think that will add up to systemic and structural change. And so, you know, these languages about, you know, just handle it, just take it, you know, just take the abuse, right? Like just take this inhumane treatment because you are get X, over y, it. Yeah. Like that, that, I mean, that is, that is the language of an abuser. Yes. you know quote unquote get over it no like no one should be getting over anything yes no like i want yeah. i want that person to let me know yeah. and you know let us know how that person is hurting and how mm -hmm. much that person is in pain mm -hmm. i want to know and i think it's our job to know mm -hmm. and so anyone who wants to silence and diminish a person who is who is in pain i think it's um I think it's incredibly, I think it's incredibly cruel. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, I think, I think, I also think that, you know, when we don't examine our own pain and just know that we are in pain, we tend to put that on other people. You know, when we have an idea that we are hurting, but we haven't addressed that hurt, we're going to, we're going to reenact it with other people. That's, that's how I feel. And, and so I think, you know, other people, you know, who we take our pain, our own pain onto are people who are, the, you know, the closest to us, like our friends and family, but also public figures, female celebrities, who we feel like we have access to, who we feel like we have automatic permission to criticize and scrutinize. And I think female celebrities go through that, you know, go through this, you know, other people putting their pain onto them. Um, and, and I feel for them. I, I empathize too. with them. Me too. 
through all of this, I think the, the saying, which you've talked about, I've talked about individually. We haven't talked about it here together yet. You know, hurt people hurt people. And what I have said for a while now in really thinking about language and the language that we perpetuate. Yes, it's true. Hurt people hurt people. We're all hurt. Not all of us are hurting other people. And I think that that is an expression the collective abuser and oppressor has used to justify hurting people because it doesn't have to be that way. And I think if we all remember that we are hurt in some way, because everyone has been through something, doesn't mean you currently are hurt, but you have been hurt. That well, we I don't excuse, that just that we won't excuse that behavior anymore. Because I think it's been, again, this excuse as to why it happens or, or a reason to make sense of it, where I'm like, mm -mm, nope, sorry, not within my own radical movement of activism and change am i going to use that kind of language anymore as a a reason why someone's behaving badly or abusing people i don't give a fuck if you're hurt if you're hurting other people i care that you're hurt but you don't have to hurt other people absolutely and i think well proverbs and like common sayings like you know quote unquote hurt people hurt people yes it's not an excuse right like those sayings are not there for you to consume it yes. just uncritically they're there yes. so you can challenge them right like you you would see comments like hurt people hurt people and you can choose to criticize it you can choose to say that isn't that's not how it's supposed to be that's not that's not, that's no longer going to be a thing you can you can do that Yes. And I think, I think people do not need permission to challenge the societal norms and societal explanations as to why people act the way they do. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody needs permission to criticize societal norms and challenge societal norms um, and societal ex like explanations um, mm. Of, mm. of why people you know, do the things they do. Um, mm. so I really encourage everyone to, if you have energy to criticize people, criticize explanations and criticize sayings, um, because they point to the sayings and the proverbs and, you know, the things that we are familiar with as, as a, as a, as a saying, they tell us how the society is and why it's so fucked up and what we can do to change. So you, you know, you, you come across quote unquote, hurt people, hurt people. Don't accept it. Say that's, I don't like it. I don't like that. I I'm hurt. And I don't feel like I was ever given a permission to go and hurt, like go and hurt other people. Mm -hmm. So why mm -hmm. is that an excuse? Why is that? Why is that? Why does that exist? Mm -hmm. what, is that what is that supposed to do? You can do that. Yes. Right? So. <sighs> That's fucking the S up and fucking shit up. Because that is a societal norm that does not need to be a norm anymore. And these things have become normal because mm -hmm. they've been perpetuated for so long. But just because something is normal does not mean it is right and just. And I think that that's well, one of the things I always go back to in this work. Well, I mean, dude, I mean, that's just, I, think, I think one thing, if anything, that I've learned is everything that is normal is not normal. <laughs> you know, like, because we it live in be white, normal. right? Like, it, because it's, yeah. we live in white supremacy <laughs> patriarchy. What yeah. are their rules? What are their norms? It's all right. this, like, messed up norms and none of none of what we have considered normal is actually normal right yes. um so i'm really glad that you know part of our shit is you know societal norms so we can fuck everything up <laughs> Abso absolutely absolutely and i've always been okay with being abnormal and letting my you know i say my freak flag fly because that just means i'm not following what mm. has been put in place as the expectation of of me, of you, of, of everyone. We don't, Evelyn and I don't want to see pretty much any system that is currently working the way that it is supposed to 
in place at the moment continue on the way that it is because it's not working collectively for everyone. It is working for a very small group of people. And something that I said earlier today on um, one of my lives that I really want to kind of like just hammer home is that even the white cisgender straight rich man is not actually as powerful as he thinks he is within patriarchy because unless you are truly part of like the Jeff Bezos of the world, you're still a part of the machine that is being used and abused through all of this. And I think a lot of people have gotten very confused with what rich means today. Like if you make 100K a year, that's awesome, but you're still not the top 0001%, right? Like you are not even close. Yes, you're better off than most people. But, um, you know, we have all become so desensitized to to being a part of this machine that is hurting all of us. And that's part of, again, societal norms speaking, going to work in an office that is oppressive, that expects you to be hyper-productive all day, even if you have nothing to do in a suit or business-appropriate, quote-unquote, clothing. If you're a woman showing up with makeup on your face because if you don't, you look, quote-unquote, tired or sick. And the way this all loops back to Britney Spears for me is that she has done all of those things publicly. She has showed up without the makeup, without the hair, without the clothes. She has done what she has wanted at moments and she is called unhinged. She is mentally unwell. And now we are finding out that she has been drugged up, basically enslaved and trafficked through her work so that a white man can be hyper rich and not really do much. And that's her father and her, and her brother and all the people around her. Yo, that is paycheck at its finest. It, I mean, that's why this conversation, we both agreed, I think had to be discussed because it's so timely and it is the epitome of patriarchy. Like this Britney Spears free Britney movement is the epitome of what happens to everyone that is not the top, top, top of patriarchy because she is as close as you can get without being a man. And this would not have happened to a man. Yes, we've had male celebrities have, you know, really tough things happen. But think about like Kanye, how many public quote unquote, you know, mental breaks has he had? There's been no, nothing close to what has happened to Britney Spears. Charlie Sheen has been praised at the height of his mental episodes. You know, he had, was like locked up in his home with sex workers and drugs and people were like, he's quote unquote winning. I mean, that was literally a cultural phenomenon and I can't get over that as I think about what's happening to this grown 39 year old white, straight, cisgender, rich woman. Like if she can't have any of yeah. the things that she should have, no one's going to be able to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <sighs> we've got a lot of work to do, Evelyn. We've got a lot of work to do. This is, yeah. I mean, I was just, we do. Um, and, you know, that's, that's misogyny at its finest, right? Like these yes. double standards and yes. how how boys and men have so much permission to act just inhumanely and animalistically. Yes. And all the while, if women decides to, if a woman decides to, you know, take a, take a, take a photo wearing her lingerie, she's a slut. And if she is sick and cannot perform, she's lazy. Right. And she must go on. And, you know, if she fumbles at a, you know, on the stage that she was, you know, she was performing because she was sick, she's unprofessional. I'm talking about Britney Spears, you know, Billy, right. like right. it's, uh, you're, you're difficult. You're a bitch. You're uh, it's like uncooperative. Who, this is, this is who has, it, it's just, it's a, the double standards are just, it's just, it's just baffling. Um, but, but also how the double standard hurts men through all of it, because here these men are 
not doing well, but we're going, oh, they're fine because they're men, right? Like realistically, Kanye is not okay. And I'm not someone who stands Kanye. I think Kanye has had a lot of problematic mm. stuff mm. or Charlie Sheen for that mm. matter. But like, they're both clearly they're, yeah. not okay. They're, they're both unwell. hurting. Right. Yeah. But because they're men, we're like, oh, they're fine. Right. Right. And so it just not. shows how, yeah, exactly. It shows how misogyny still hurts men, which is what you and I talk about all the time. For sure. Um, because that's a, that's, a, that's a neglect of men. That's our collective neglect of men. We're abandoning them. Um, even though they're clearly showing a lot of signs that they're unwell, we're choosing to say, oh, they don't need our, they don't need our attention. They're just, you know, they're just men. They, you know, boys will be boys, quote unquote. Um, and that's, that, that is harmful to men. But what I'm saying is, you know, so that's the, that's the accurate analysis of this, right? What I'm saying is how people take that, how pe people take this boys will be boys is boys try to live up to that boys Absolutely. will sign up to self-harm like Absolutely. boys will sign up voluntarily to you know to live out that standard you know live up to that standard and it's not living up this is shrinking down Absolutely. right like this is they are they wait, wait, will Evelyn, say that again say that again for everyone that's not living up yeah that's but they're, they're 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 now they're they're not aspiring to shrink down to this yes. level yes. Of, level of expectations of behaviors this is not living up right like living up would be looking up to looking up to van jo uh, not, not van joseph looking up to you know frederick joseph right looking up to uh what's the name of the oh my god i'm so i'm so looking up to looking up to michelle obama right like as boys, as boys, still as looking boys. up to men. Yes, as boys. yes, yes, yes. I think that that needs to be again. I don't think enough men understand that you can look up to women as role models. Well, Oprah has been my Oprah has been my role model since I was twelve years old, and I wish more men and boys understood that we should have female role models because that's how we end up becoming healthy, healed, emotionally intelligent individuals in this world, not hurt, emotionally unwell harmful people in this world like our current male leaders mm. yeah for sure i mean look up to aoc right look up to look up to you know look up to bell hooks right so it's that's living up that's trying to live up to an expectation looking to charlie sheen is shrinking down Looking mm. to Kanye West is shrinking down. And a lot of boys are doing that. And that's yes. self-harm. So that's why Barrett makes this content that he does, right? Like, and... Evelyn, I have to just re say, I mean, like, I haven't heard the term shrinking down. And that's why I just really want to, like, say it so many times on here. I think so many people will take this term and be like, I needed that term in my language, in my vernacular. It is so exactly what it is. It's not living up. It's shrinking down. And I, 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 I'm having like an aha moment, as Oprah would say right now, with hearing you say that because it's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. I just, snaps for Evelyn, everyone. Can we give Evelyn snaps as she touches on the T and shit? Toxic masculinity. We've hit almost all the letters within shit today. And I think that that was a really awesome thing. But I want to let you finish because I'm, I'm, I'm just taking everything you having to, you have to say, and I'm like, yes, Evelyn, give me more education in my brain. Go for it, Evelyn. Go. Oh Preach. my 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 Ivy League education finally paying off. Ah, <laughs> like what am I gonna do? Um, I mean, uh, I mean, I think I remember in one of the gender gender classes that I took um, in grad school. You know, we were talking about Charlie Sheen. Um, mm. and you know, we talked about this, like, you know, mm. who, who are, who are boys looking up to mm. and are they really looking up to them? Mm. All right. Like what's, what's the significance of Charlie Sheen? Mm. Um, and you know, we, we talked about it's, this is not, this is not living up to an aspiration. This is shrinking down to their animalistic impulses because these men are living animalistically. Yes. And inhumanely. 
which is um, not something you have to do as a man. Again, this is like learned behavior that this is okay and acceptable in society. And I, I think too many men fall back on, well, we're men. This is like what it is. No, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And the last thing I will say is, um, so, I mean, we were talking about this the other day um, and I, I don't think there is going to be any system that satisfies everyone. Um, I don't think there is going to be a singular economic system or a political system that satisfies everyone. Mm. Um, and so that's why I think we have to transform people's hearts. Mm. If people choose in, you know, in, as the system evolves and as the system transforms, right? Like it, and as the system moves, mo moves more towards the matriarchy and intersectional mm. radical feminist, mm. people on the grounds really need to start saying no to inhumane treatments, treating each other cruelly and the hate mm. and just just all these all these ways that we betray each other and exploit each other and use mm. each other mm. we i think it's a matter of people's hearts what's what's in people's hearts oppression is not gonna yes. end unless every single one of us commits to saying no to oppressing other people yes we can have a system that is ideal and we can still have oppression happening because people decide to be shitty. Yes. So as social media activists, the reason why I am committed to doing the work that I'm doing, and I'm sure you are too, is because we want to change what's in people's hearts. Yes. So there will be no more oppression. Yes. And exploitation and all these other, you know, bullshit. All the things that exist within shit. Societal <laughs> norms, heteronormativity, individualism, toxic masculinity. Again, it's exactly why we came up with what we came up with. It is all those things and how they work together to hurt all of us. I think that this is a great place to wrap up for the day as, again, you and I can talk forever about this stuff. And it's so close to home for both of us in very different ways but also in some very similar ways. And that's why I think you and I just connect the way that we do and, and why I have grown to love you and care about you so much is that I, through empathy and my own story, feel so much of what you say. While it may not be because of the same experience, I can feel the feelings that you're feeling. And I hope everyone hears what Evelyn just said about going back to your heart and, and really going through this journey of activism digitally in real life, just being a better fucking person with the foundation of love for yourself, for your fellow humans, for the world, the planet, the earth. And remember that none of us are free until all of us are free. Absolutely. You know, so... Evelyn, thank you for largely in the beginning of this episode, especially giving me safe space to talk. I don't take that lightly. And I thank everyone for listening with always open minds, open ears, open hearts. And um, I'm just really grateful that we can talk about serious topics and explain how something like Britney Spears you know, the Free Britney movement is very much linked to intersectional radical feminism um, because I think a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just pop culture where it's like this specific piece of pop culture is not just pop culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for your bravery and vulnerability and your humanity. Um, I am committed to, you know, helping people get to know you the way I got to know you. Um, because the hate that I secondhand witnessed was not okay. And I am convinced that if people just knew who you were as a person, they wouldn't have it in their heart to attack you the way they did.
Um, so I very much have a, a lot of love for Barrett Paul in my heart. Um, and I am very confident um, that other people will have to, like as they get to know you more. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your insights on you know, what hit home for you. Um, I thought your analysis and you know, what you had to say were so compelling and so coherent. Um, I have no idea how you, you know, managed to do that, um, especially talking about something as triggering and is so personal. Um, so deeply, I deeply thank you for, um, for your courage and humanity. So. Love you, Evelyn. Um, I love you too. And I think the same is true for you. I think, again, it just comes back to humanity, right? Like having people understand that you are a human with so many experiences and you just want to be treated that way. You just want to be treated like a human being with equality and full rights. And that shouldn't be so much to ask for. So that is where we will wrap up today. Thank you so much for joining us on this special last minute decided episode of fuck shit up Evelyn <laughs> please have the final words tell everyone how much you love them and sign off for us thank you so much for listening in and we will see you uh, we will see you soon um, please stay tuned see ya <laughs>